I was not, I was not allowed and I don't, I do not deserve love because it's my fault. And as a deep wounding, I still carry it with me that I have such a hard time thinking and feeling I, I, I deserve love that there's so many ways I self-sabotage or I don't find confidence in that rap and that basketball really helped me find it. And that it's eventually, I mean, now we're jumping ahead, but that's eventually what led me to the United States later on. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get it. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. You guys, I have a little bit of a longer conversation, but a really, really powerful one. We have Sebastian Engstrom joining us. He's one of my brothers from the Fit for Service Mastermind, the Aubrey Marcus Fellowship that we have throughout the year. And he's going to be featured this week. I didn't have one last week. We got more coming up, but I just didn't have any in time for that. But we're back this week with that. And we went super deep. We've got to explore both of our stories. We just had like a real organic conversation. I had no questions asked. I had no conversation with him prior. We literally just riffed on life. And this was coming off a really powerful online meetup that we had with amazing speakers, amazing workshops, and it cracked us all wide open. And I love this because the timing of this conversation couldn't have been better. So I just let it go. I didn't have anything to do after he didn't. And I just, I just wanted it to go and went about an hour 45. So I highly encourage you guys to listen to this to the end. If you are listening to this, maybe, you know, pause it in between, take a break. Or what I like to do is when I have longer episodes like this, I, I start them when I'm prepping dinner or something like that. Or if I'm going to do a big clean, something that, you can either listen to the whole thing or if you want to pause it, go ahead. But it is a longer episode and I don't want you guys to miss it. So make sure I encourage you to listen to this to the end. I always get people to send me a bio. Sometimes I read them a little bit. I take things out of them. Sometimes I don't, but I, I really want to express this a little bit about Sebastian. For all you guys that don't know him, his story and his values, I want to give you a little insight into him before we dive in and unpack this whole thing. So Sebastian is a seeker of values, a path led by curiosity and manic focus on performance, which has led to Sebastian's highest highs. The importance of discovering the extremes has been key in his life. As performance has helped him learn about himself, his life and endless possibilities, yet it has also shown the most treacherous and dark sides. Basketball, football, women, heavyweights, and now sales, are all endeavors in which he has pursued and are all expressions of a deeply ingrained masculinity, which he is in the process of accepting, giving and coming peace to coming to peace. The cornerstone in his life is his family, his daughter and wife who remind him of the love above all else and the path he is on. There is more than the material, the titles and the fame. The goal is to create lasting change where one's worth is not measured simply by your performance, but where your character, your gifts, your being in love reign. Beautifully written, and I wanted to express that to you guys so you can get some context about Sebastian before we get into this. This dude's awesome. I'm super grateful for this conversation. 
and this is one of the many amazing humans that I get the privilege of connecting with, take away a really inspiring, positive message about this. Because if we go deep, I want, I want that wave of emotion to happen, but I also want you to walk away feeling empowered and inspired to take action in your life and to be the best human that you can be. That's what this is all about. So guys, enjoy. Let us know what you think about this. Sit back, relax. Go do what you got to do to listen to this, but listen to this to the end. Sebastian Angstrom coming right up. Sebastian, I had to hit that record button, brother, because we were getting into too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. What's up, man? How you doing? What's going on? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I think I'm having the most challenging day of this, this uh, shelter-in-place uh, quarantine so far. Yeah. Really? But, uh, yeah, but it's also turning into something beautiful. But yeah, this is my internal reality is one of the toughest ones uh, that I've faced today in a long time. So um, I don't know if we want to explore that right away. Yes, but we hey. do, man. What a great, oh. what a great thing to start at. <laughs> Walk us through it, bro. Because I mean, the world's a crazy place right now, and it's and if anybody knows, as far as you know, with us in the fit for service community, we're we've been exploring this stuff, and you know, we're really trying to figure it all out and like what better time than to unpack it, man. So, you know, walk us through what's going on with you. Okay. So it started with, uh, for those who see me on video, um, a trimmed or shaved head. And I, that's not my usual, uh, look, I have longer hair, but I felt this calling for simplicity, uh, for removal, uh, remove to expand and to really grow, to simplify, to, really live that minimalist style, even though we've been on a path, my wife and I, for quite some time, my daughter, um, it's, it felt like I need to remove this. And that really, that was the biggest strike to my ego where, where it felt like boom, boom. So just fist to the, to the freaking head and the cheek and, the, and, and just, uh, I, I felt such enragement within me. Like, how dare you to do something like this? There's a, uh, it's a movie called Revolver um, with, uh, no, what's his name? The guy from uh, British action character. Um, How old is it? What year? Let's try and figure it out. What, what year uh, is it? A few years ago. Um, he is oh, in um, Fast and Furious now. Bald guy. John Staten? John, or, yeah. or what's his name? Staten? Something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's that guy that's got like the scruff and the bald head. He actually makes a bald guy look like a stud yeah. with the yeah, beard. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I'm John, trying to go John for. Stata, yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm pulling it off. 100% you are, <laughs> <Yeah>. brother. <laughs> so, but that really ties into what, uh, like that look too. But in that movie, it's an exploration. It's a freaking fantastic movie. It's about the ego and uh, all the different characters of the of of the ego and it's one of the most fan just it's brilliant but it's it's uh it's very challenging to watch and that's what was happening as i uh decided to take my hair off um is the ego came up is like what who are you now like what do you like you can't show yourself like this like this is not you what what did you do with your identity you need to wear a hat you need to do this you need to, and i'm like no hmm. Really? Speed. Yeah, because there's this 
And I heard that in another podcast of yours, we've been so conditioned that, hey, we are based so much on what we look like. And especially going back to my roots of coming from Sweden is especially Stockholm, there is so much about fashion, so much about what you look like, so much of what you act like. And if you act in a different way, people start target shit behind your back. And that's eventually what what drew me here too. It's just I want to express and I wanted to be in freedom and authenticity and just be completely my own. And I feel like I needed to be or fit into a norm or a standard or a culture just to just to just to exist. And um and and, and that really led me down a deep dark path of, of just I mean depression of sorts, but also when you're not following your authentic self, and hence why we're in a, this group, I think for similar reasons, a lot of us, it's just how do you find that path and how do you stay courageous within that path when you hear so many voices all around you? It's just, you need to be this, you need to be this. What do you think you are? What do you are? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and what happened uh, with, with shaving off my hair now, a lot of it has been a self-exploration of what, what do I stand for? what is really important to me? What is my old identity? Because for quite a while, I've been wanting to let go of, of this, of this past of, uh, of constant performance. And I'm realizing it now, even when I wrote you this bio is that my life has been so structured on my, based on my performance, based on what I look like. And it's been conditioned that way. Like I've gotten the recognition I've gotten the, Oh, that is how like, actually maybe i look good maybe this is how i can find validation with girls and that's how i find value as a man it's just Mm. fuck man (laughs) so um it's been a deep unpacking and this is another stage of it where i'm i'm now in i mean i play different types of sports and that has been part of my my identity for so long and just being an athlete and now it's transpired or transferred into being in sales and it's just an extension of being an athlete and it's really I'm thinking about this this book of writing it, and one of the chapters will be the death of the athlete, and that's what I'm dealing with right now. And uh, just letting go of that part of the masculinity, letting go of the weights, letting go of, uh, and that is one of the things that came up in a workshop here with with Aubrey Marcus is lighten the load, lighten the load because you're carrying too much. Uh, so what you don't see around me is my home gym setup, and uh, I've set it up to to have a massive amount of weights, uh, to be able to deadlift everything that I got. Like I got, I mean, up to five, 600 pounds of weight. Uh, and I tried it this beginning of this week. Um, and, um, I realized when I did the deadlift, fuck man, what am I doing? Cause that was after that, the realization of light near your load. Cause I'm thinking, is, is it just that I'm feeling my emotions, my, uh, and what I think I wanted to, because I want the comfortable path, or is it my truth? And that is something I have a hard time deciphering between am I following my emotions because I want to be comfortable and lazy and survive, like the survival instinct, mm. or is it really my true authentic self of my heart and my soul? And I realized, shit, man, like I, I, I need to really do this. Like this is not just something made up. And then I got on, because I had this gymnastics program, I got on a barbell, but using it as a dip bar, and I started laughing and then crying. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I surrender. Like mm. there is um, ego, soul. Like this, this is an interesting ride we're in for right now. Um, and I'm just gonna follow the path. I'm just gonna follow the path that I'm called to. And um, and and the funny thing before that is that I I uh, 
So I'm doing Olympic weightlifting and a week before that on the poetry call because I didn't plan appropriately. And I, f- I find that when you clutter to your life with too many things because you want to appear to be busy because you feel because you don't have enough purpose, you don't have enough certainty, you don't have enough clarity, and therefore you fill your life with things to appear to be busy because you just that is what you've been conditioned to do. But I'm realizing that is I'm not freaking happy. That's why I'm doing it. And that's why I'm just cluttering it with things because I feel so fearful of letting go of what I have. So if I clutter with more things, at least at least I don't have to think about the uncomfortable truths. So what I've done just that day, it was the, the poetry slam and I found this this love for writing poetry and and uh, I didn't do my weightlifting. So I needed a I was listening for, to the poetry and doing weightlifting at the same time and, and and early that morning I'm told one of these, well, one of the coaches, um, Cal Kingsbury, that, hey, I'm doing this gymnastics and I'm doing this weightlifting instead of doing powerlifting because I want to stay present. I want to stay in a meditative state, but I'm still being called to line the, or to, to remove weights. But I, I still love this, like, really a refusal to let go. And I said, well, you need to be completely present because if you don't, you drop it on yourself and you complete, like you can you can injure yourself or die. And yeah. just what happened during that freaking poetry slam, got up the bar and dropped it on my freaking head. And I, luckily enough, I was able to throw it off me after it, it crashed on my head. Um, and this was with, I mean, 185 pounds. And, um, and really why I'm going into all this and what is happening today, this is all just several layers of ego death. Uh, of letting go of attachments, letting go of identity, letting go of fame, letting go of material, um, letting go of just shedding so many layers of what I thought defined me and the thought defined who I am and how I show up in this world. And what, what came up today is just I'm now moving into this gymnastics program, more of a program of, all right, I know that I don't do necessarily, like if I, if I do weights that are not that heavy, I get skinny really quickly and I'm definitely afraid of being skinny because if I don't have muscles, then my entire, my entire identity just crashes. And I'm so fucking afraid of that. Like that is what I built so much of who I am and my identity off. And, and even, even my job is like, what do I do if I don't have these muscles? If I don't have this appearance, if I don't have the money, if I don't have what I saw my dad do is have all these fancy things, what happens then? What the mm. fuck happens then? And that is, I'm so deathly afraid of that. And uh, that is what I was tumbling with, with uh, and really struggling with today is, is almost having panic attack, but there's so much self-hatred is that what, what do you think you're doing? No, you need to go back to everything is normal. You need to start lifting heavy. You need to just crush the sales. Like you need to go back to making money. You need to justify why you're better than others. No, no, <laughs> stop. So you, I like, from what I'm hearing, man, is like, it's, it's really interesting because it's almost like, well, you're definitely favoring the masculinity, the over masculine programming that we all had as athletes growing up. You know, I was a hockey player as well, bartender, you know, it's always, you got to be that that over masculine you, you it's a real dominant lift heavy be be strong get in fights be tough and that was our conditioning and i really like how you talking about death of the athlete because there's such a it, it's so off balance and 
it's funny that you talk about that because in my own life right now, it's gone the opposite where I'm almost exploring more of the feminine sides like the yogas and the meditation, but I've almost lost the other side of like the heavy weights and the discipline and the getting up and the really like fuck you attitude that you almost need in a certain way. You need it to balance, right? But it's so easy for us to go back and forth. And I've talked to a few people about this and it's fascinating because I, I, I think it's a, such a great idea what you're doing because it's, and it's something that I want to, we can discuss even, you know, off this call another time about how important that is for athletes to have that balance where it's, it's just so dominant on the masculine side and it's been like that our whole lives. And when you talk about growing up in Europe, how fashion and how everything is built on the ident- identity, I, I know exactly what you mean because I dated somebody that was from France and I go to France and I see how much pressure people put on each other to have the best, the best clothes and the best of this. And it's like, what the fuck does this stuff even matter? right? Like, of course, it's nice to have nice things. And if you want to buy nice things for the right reasons, great, right? But for what reason are these people doing this, right? It's filling these voids. And I noticed that, man. And I, um, I admire you that you're able to identify that because a lot of people, first of all, don't even, can't identify that that's an issue in the first place. And what, what I want to kind of unpack, bro, is I want to go back a little bit and when when did you feel the need to really overcompensate on things like really start to be like i got to put on muscle or i'm i'm uh, for self love like i have to do this like when did that start was there some sort of issue in your life like or some sort of i don't know trauma or something that you you can you can pinpoint that caused you to kind of take that path or did it was it just sort of what you did and it just you don't really you don't really know because that's fascinating to me is finding out you know wh- why do we why do we start doing that shit like why do we think that we need to do that mm. well one interesting question you're setting me down this yeah very interesting path that i haven't explored to from this angle um the very core wounding comes from uh my father and mother fighting uh, so much when I was very little and then they split apart when I was two years old and my brother was one and that leads to a different another story um, they, my brother they didn't plan to have it another child so quickly but that and this is another interesting thing that you I think as fathers or as mothers, you start realizing as you become a father and a mother, you start reliving what you saw your father or your mother do. And it's crazy. I'm like, I'm never going to be like my father because there are many things, many amazing things, many things I'd never wanted to be like. And I'm so much like it. Fuck. And even being, a, and I'm, why, I'm, why I'm laughing and doing this is because oh, I despised that my father was a businessman. And look what I am right now. And um, what did you despise about that? There was a sleaziness and there was a fakeness about it that, hey, why are you? You have all these fine, shiny 
expensive things but if it's freaking empty like i don't connect with you i don't feel your love it's always about doing and, ex and experiencing and i don't i don't i don't feel the joy i don't feel how you care how you want to have fun how you want to laugh how you want to dance like there's none of that and that is part of his generational path of, of, of path of his father too and uh i mean I've, I've completely taken a similar path myself um and a core well why all that stuff started happening is really i i heard the other day about parenting <clears throat> how what, when you're three or four like everything that happens you're learning a lot as a child when you're very when you're very young um and your your parents are incredibly important the first few years and they they that's why it's very important that you you stay very present um you are very aware of how and what decisions you are making and then after when they go to school that's really when they start making their own decisions and really who will influence them the most are the children around them and that made me realize i've been pondering that and it's just been coming to me it's been evolving internally within me it's like that's when it started happening like I didn't really watch TV necessarily before that. My mom was never a, a, a proponent of it. And that's when I started realizing I started taking on these, all these things that I needed to do um, or I should be doing everything from action figures. I heard it on your last podcast. <laughs> it's like you started to get influenced by, <clears throat> I need to buy this like Ninja Turtle or GI Joe, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and what all your friends are doing, I need to be doing that too. And uh, it's funny, like I never really, I was all about exploring and being in nature all the time. And then all people around me played soccer. And that's really how I started playing my first sport. Like I was not into sports before. I was into exploration and adventure and nature. That's really where I found my love and my connection. And that's how I, it sent me down a path. And I mean, I'm so incredibly grateful for that path of discipline and, and all the lessons and everything that you get to experience in the 90 minutes or in the 60 minutes, whatever periods, quarters, whatever you sports you play, but all the sense, all the emotions that you go through, all the highs and the lows, it's really like what I've been so driven and, and, and drawn to sports is because you can experience an entire lifetime of emotions just within one game. Mm. And after that, there's just this void and complete emptiness at times. And, um, I'm starting to go off tangents here, but what, why I'm saying with, with all of this is it's really the external circumstances that started getting to me when I went to school. That is when, when I started seeing this shift and I started seeing this massive influence that I'm not, I started following not my path, not my truth, but all the voices around me. Mm -hmm. And for many times I questioned and I was wondering, why am I so freaking different? Like, why do, like I said things that didn't make sense because it was true to me, but it wasn't like, it was strange. Like, Hey, like, that's not what we do. Like, that's not the norm. That's not the culture. And I thought I was so, so strange. And I went into being a teenager, especially, I mean, I went, as once you got, a, got into be a teenager, <clears throat> the more, the more, because I lived on an island at one point and then it wasn't as, as much there, but now when I, I moved to one of the richest neighborhoods in Stockholm uh, with my dad and it was all about your appearance. It's all about the superficial part. And I was so lost. Um, before that, it was somewhat of a troubled, um, you can say on the island, my early teenage years, some, all the people around me, either they had abusive parents or drug problems, alcoholics living on welfare. It was, it was some interesting times, but through that I found basketball and I found that, okay, 
there's a way out. Like America is my way out. That's how I saw the rap culture. And I remember vividly still buying my first album, BMX. Um, oh yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah. Um, how old are you, bro? I am. I'm 29. I'm turning 30 here next month. Cool. And uh, at, at that point, 12 year old banging out to on an island of 50,000. <laughs> people on that island to dmx it's hell uh, it's dark and hot let's see hell is hot and it's dark something like that it and, and so it's some of the most hardcore stuff but really what it made me it made me feel for one of the first times since i once was a young child is there is this massive masculine aggression in a lot of the rap and it made me like ah, oh, like i yeah. feel confident like, and i feel that wow i can really find who i am and and make a, a, a known for myself uh, and who I am because and I didn't tell you about the deepest wounding is I always it is that classic I thought it was my fault that my parents split up I thought I was not I was not allowed and I don't I do not deserve love because it's my fault and as a deep wounding I still carry it with me that I have such a hard time thinking and feeling I, I, I deserve love that there's so many ways I self-sabotage or I don't find confidence in that rap and that basketball really helped me find it. And that it's eventually, I mean, now we're jumping ahead, but that's eventually what led me to the United States later on. What do you do? What do you identify as self-sabotage? Like just for, because we all do it, right? But a lot of people don't even, don't even know that that's what they're doing, right? I mean, it's, it's really, it's crazy how we're in these loops, how people get going and then, you get you get momentum and then there's always that thing that ah fuck it i'm just gonna whether it's alcohol or whether it's i don't know like food sex whatever that is there's always these weird things that we get to a point where all of a sudden we're like i'm not good enough this isn't this feels too good i better go back to feeling like shit again <laughs> because you know it's 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 really fucking crazy bro because uh, you know, we think that we're the only ones that do that. And now after exploring this and, you know, talking to people like yourself and connecting with more people, you realize, wait a minute, we're all doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are some of the things that, that cause you, first of all, that trigger you and then maybe cause you to, to, you know, self-sabotage? It's a realization that I had. <clears throat> it was uh, in Malibu that I can't remember the exact words, but there's no, we all, yes, we, you have everything you need inside. You already have everything you need inside. Everything else that we experience in life, and we were born like this, and every time we go, you know, I think everyone can relate to one point or another, when you're in stillness, when you're in flow, when you're in peace, in nature, nothing else matters when you're in peace and, and you're just feeling wow and you you didn't need someone to inspire you you didn't need anyone to tell you, you like you didn't need someone to point you that direction or you didn't even need to take a course take a job uh read a book and all of these experiences and how even with the podcast or a book or a mentor or a therapist or someone helping you see things from different perspectives so you can make sense i think of your human experience but on a soul level you're always and you've always been at peace and you've always been enough the way you are and now we're just learning lessons how to go through it um 
And I think it's it's uh, more and more and more as I come and I go through it is is having a symbio a symbiotic relationship with your ego and how you go through living with your ego because uh, it's that's where the really that self hatred and the comparison comes from. And one of the things that my wife called me out on once again is uh, my phone addiction. Um, and I oh. think we <laughs> yeah, let's get into that, man. That's it's a real issue. It's an elephant in the room that we're all dealing with like bad it's bad and, and yeah i love what you said too that first thing like you 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 write when you do a meditation you do something so you know okay and what is my truth what is it that is important to me like what am i connected to and then you turn on <laughs> and it's so dude it's so challenging like i fucking struggle every single day with this i'm not kidding like it's the hardest thing getting up early at the same time is the that and then not turning my phone on it sounds it may sound stupid to some people who have discipline but this is what I lack in my life. And I've noticed I get so I gravitate towards that phone. And it's like, it's such an issue for people. And they don't think it's an issue because it's just a phone, right? It's just a phone. Everybody's on it. But it literally takes over your whole day if you don't take control of it. I mean, like especially in these times <clears throat> of, of being in isolation. Well, yeah, it's amazing to connect with people as we're doing right now virtually. But what if you're constantly doing it all the time? And I noticed I was doing it all the time too. And I still get pulled back every single day so often. It's just, oh, oh I want to find this answer out, find find something out or learn about something. Or I, I, need to, I need to do this because of A, B, and C. Justify. They're so easy to justify all this BS. It's, yeah. yeah. So, but, no, you go ahead, man. So, what my wife told me was like, we need to make some st start making some serious changes. And what you're doing is this is not acceptable, it does not fly. Like, I don't feel connected with you whatsoever. Like, what the hell is happening to you? Like, it even led to things that I was so unconnected to myself, like, even led to like problems in our sex life, like, problems in us being having an intimate connection because and it goes back to that song why don't you put your fucking phone down I, I can't remember who made that song i think maybe it's the chain smokers something like that and and it goes to i was so disconnected from my own truth and my own voice because i always try to find oh what i wonder about this oh let me google it oh let me google it let me go on my phone let me go on my phone i brush my teeth on my phone i look at my email first thing in the phone just repeat it repeat it repeat it and then it's like my wife is, who the fuck are you? It's like, yeah, like, I, I, all right. I, and, and I've done, and, and luckily enough, I've, I mean, now going back to not being relying on external things, but I read the, the book, um, Extreme Ownership, um, again, and, and really going back to, all right, I need to stop pointing the finger and just listen and take, take the feedback that is fucking hard to hear. And I think that is so fucking for many of us to hear is, you have a problem with your phone, put down your phone, have some boundaries with your phone. Right now, we're, I'm not on my phone before. So before seven and after six, phone is off. Have you, what have you noticed from that? How long you've been doing that? A little more than a week. I, and my wife great. actually, great. yeah, <laughs> thank hey you. Man, if you can do it one day, that's a win, right? Every, that's a big win. That's a celebratory win, man. Like a week is awesome. It, it's something my wife she recommend what well, she she had us do before and then i slipped up <laughs> it's it's crazy I'm, I'm talking about it like an addict i slipped up <laughs> no bro i regressed like, like i i, no, I relapsed so and, and i and i went on it because uh for what reason on monday like two days ago and i was gonna i was gonna look at something i didn't put it in airplane mode and then oh i was like i realized i need to send this funny picture of of my wife to my brother-in-law and, and his girlfriend for 420 for some stupid reason. And, and, and then it was like, all right, we just need to listen to Mike Posner for some of the poetry. 
later on that night because she was writing poetry. I'm like, I've been on my phone three times. I couldn't go to sleep. I had to switch and go to another bed because I couldn't go to sleep because I was so overstimulated. I slept horribly. I, I woke up. I, I, I just, I was so easily stimulated that I couldn't relax. And next day was shit. And that ripple, that's a ripple effect because I'm now making poor decisions the next day. I'm going into the patterns of numbing because I feel so inadequate because I feel guilty of what I did before. Now we're just stepping into the self-hatred. So I started going into my pattern of, all right, what can I do to buy things? Because, oh, well, I need this. I need that. Do I really? And it's, it's not necessarily, I might need it, but it's that state I go into buying something. And it's the state of not feeling enough and feeling that void with, okay, well, let me feel good enough by buying something, external recognition, instead of just going within like, all right, well, maybe let's, let me write about this. Maybe let me go outside for a little bit. Let me stroll around, take a walk. Let me let me listen to a good song. Not even that, but let me be in peace. Not the song, but let me be in peace. Let me maybe meditate. Why is this, why is this coming up? And I, I, that is so easy, I think, when, you don't, when you're so overwhelmed with so many things around you. And, and that is one of the things that this is allowing us to do. It's just, what do you do with all the external stimulus and recognition and the voices when they're not around you? Well, who are you when all is taken away? Is that your identity? Is that your true self? Or is that patterns of years and years of years of someone or people or society or culture who have been telling you what to do? And how are you going to face that struggle? How are you going to face that battle with yourself? And I was in a fucking battle when I was doing Wim Hof breathing. Like I realized this because I do this on a daily and I realized that I came in for the self-hatred of, of, of almost an anxiety attack happening. And I'm like, okay, I can't breathe. This is part of the Wim Hof breathing. And usually you can breathe through it. What can I do now? And I just, I, there's an internal state when I just let the energy sink down in me. And I realized, okay, I started repeating the mantra, Sebastian, I love you. This is like next level. And I doing like with our online, you know, meetup that we had this last weekend with Fit for Service, that was the first time I ever did breath work. I've done Wim Hof a little bit, but Aubrey's, I've always, I've been really resistant to breath work for some reason. Dude, that was fucking next level stuff. And it opened up a whole wormhole now that I want to explore. And it's crazy what our bodies can do with breath. Like it's, it's amazing. It was almost like a psychedelic state that I didn't think I could get to. It was, it was amazing. Did you end up doing the breath work that for that? Were you there for that one or? I did. Yeah. 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 I want to hear about your story. Come on. Dude, I think was, we're on to something here. Dude, it was, um, so luckily, you know, my office is right beside my bedroom. So I had my, I was going to do it in my office chair, but I was like, fuck it. I went light on my bed with my wireless headphones and I just got super comfortable and man, just hearing Aubrey's voice fuck he does it so well in the music i literally was just in a different world and at first i had like a panic attack where i thought well i thought it was a panic attack right my ego trying to keep me safe because of that feeling of like the racing heartbeat um anxiety feeling but as soon as i went through started to breathe through that my whole body went numb and i it was like scary but amazing at the same time and then i got to my dad just popped up and was like who would you give your heart to and uh fuck man it made me really emotional and i talked about it on the call after but he was there and then i just i i just saw him and and all this all this regression that i had about holding it in because when he died i really i really held a lot in i never really cried that much because i just i don't know but like 
when I do, there's like deep cries and I went fucking really deep, like that child cry. That's like, you know, so you're so sad. You're, it was like, it was something I needed so badly. And, um, just that alone was just so therapeutic. And then being able to share it with the group after was like amazing. And it's just one of those things now that I'm like, wow, I felt like I was in a different fucking world. Like, almost like, um, like I've never done uh, ayahuasca, but I've done, you know, psilocybin journeys. And I, I felt like I was in that state. So it's really exciting because now I've seen that you can get to a, a, a almost like, you know, an altered state with breath, which is great because sometimes people think you need to do psychedelics and you don't, you don't necessarily need it. Not everybody. It's not for everybody. Right. But you can get there through breath work, which is really exciting. And yeah. I, um, yeah. What was your experience like with that, bro? It, it happened. Well, one quick note on that. There are a few people and some of the most masculine people and some of them are still in the program. We can talk about this after, but they said, this is freaking better than any psychedelic experience I've done. I didn't even need anything. And I've reached yeah. deeper than I have ever been able to go before. Yeah. And yeah. Dude, goosebumps, it, man. I just got it, goosebumps thinking about that because it's so true. It's That is when I started having, well, it's meditation sometimes too, but when I started having more, you can say, visions or connecting to seeing things uh, is when I've done these breaths, breath, Wim Hof breathing. And this is a few years ago when I really, like in the beginning when it really was effective, now I think I need to switch it up more. The first two years, after maybe a few months, after maybe almost a year, when I started, a few months, I would say, when I started getting more comfortable with it, I did this 10-week training program. And then getting more comfortable with, with, with doing it, I started seeing, and I still see this, and I realized I understand more now what it is. A lot of these feline figures, so lions, cats, leopards, and <clears throat> this is a, a distinct symbol for be peaceful and strong and stand your ground in your masculine you don't need to prove anything you don't need to prove anything through performance your looks anything mm. stand in your true comfortable silent masculine but don't fuck with me like i will attack and i will tear you apart if you fuck with me but i am comfortable and confident as i am and that keeps on repeating itself so it's it's something that uh, i need to be reminded of but some of these things have come up but the, the one i did with uh, anahata and and the the group i mean that was i've never gone i mean tremors like you like body convulsing like energies being released like i thought that was like i seen things like that and i thought like i people are strange like exorcism type of stuff and, yeah. and now they yeah so now that i've, I've realized that maybe you experienced something similar too but I, that is stored body, there's stored trauma in the body um, that is moving through it, stored energy in the body. It's, it's uh, like a zebra being attacked from a lion. They shake it off right after if they survive it, and then they get back up and run away. And it's the same thing because we don't go through this through dance or whatever it is. We just keep it so stuck uh, that we have all this stuck energy that we hold on to. And, and I realized that is what, like I was moving in all these different ways and there was emotions coming up and crying and I mean, massive amounts of crying, having my, my, my grandmother come to me um, who has passed away, who I was very close to. And then my, my uncle too, who passed away uh, and then just falling in and becoming part of my body 
and seeing a panther run up a mountain and then jumping on a panther, becoming part of panther and just feeling that, that masculine that I was talking about, just warring on top of what is called the Thunder Mountain and, and one of the most connected places on earth from a vortex perspective. And that is where the thunder strikes the most in the entire world. And I just realized, Jesus fucking Christ, what, what incredible power there is within me. And it's just to be confident. Like you don't need to prove anything. Like there's a saying from one last thing that Mike Posner says, um, the swan does not beg for attention. The sun does not shine to be seen. I want to get him on the show. I like that guy. (laughs) He's, um, yeah, man, that's so true. When you, when you stand in your true masculinity, you don't need to prove shit to anybody. You're, you have that confidence that like, that proud feeling that isn't pretentious. It isn't over the top. It's just like, you know who you are, you know who the fuck you are. And that's all that fucking matters is that, you know, and when you know, and you love that, then everybody else feels that too. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's dude, I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, the self love aspect that, you know, because I could, you know, from what you're saying, you're very hard on yourself about certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the problem as well in my own life that I've noticed is that when we have routines like don't turn on your phone or make sure you do this, if we don't do it, we beat ourselves up and that fucking defeats the whole purpose too, right? <laughs> like it becomes, it becomes the, I'm going to beat the shit out of myself because I didn't do what I'm going to do to get better. And it's like, this is why I love Aubrey so much, man. Why I've, I, I, I really gravitated towards him in the first place is that he talks about, he talked about this in his darkness retreat too. You got to love, you got to give the thing love for where it's at, right? Whether it's in a relationship or whatever it is. And this has really helped me. It's like, it's all right. You know, if you didn't do it, you didn't fucking do it. Don't, I mean, learn and move on. Love the experience. Like really, that's the thing. It's like, Giving love to the thing allows you to release the thing that's fucking troubling you or bothering you. And that's what's so hard is we try and resist it and we get so tight and we get so angry that really it's just like, whatever, like it fucking didn't happen. I didn't do it. And I I fucked up, you know, and that love, that love energy instead of that fear energy is allows it to sort of move on. But if you keep, but the thing is, is like, it's easy that if you keep breaking those promises with yourself, that obviously that can lead into a lack of confidence, which you don't want either. But like what I'm getting at here is what do you do for self-love? Like how do you actually, not for the externals, because obviously a lot of us think self-love is rewarding ourselves with clothes or the things or the cars, and that's going to give us the love. But what do you do for self-love otherwise? And what other things of the feminine energy or the feminine side of things do you use to balance out other than breath work? There is a routine in the morning that, well, I do part of it. Well, so I, I start with the first one and it's, it's taking in <clears throat> being outside, being grateful that I can breathe and then breathing and feeling and breathing in the air and seeing focusing on that I can see and picture something like, oh, there's a beautiful sky, beautiful tree, beautiful bird, that I can hear the birds chirping, that I can hear this, that I can feel my feelings and what I'm feeling right now, that I can move my body. Some of those things have come from being sick 
injured or hurt and making that promise. And it's like, I never want to be like this again. And I know that I take shit for granted all the time because I feel so shitty right now. This is a way for me to remember that. Um, Emily Fletcher does that part in her meditations too. And just keep keeping that, just connecting to the elements first and then going into, okay, what do I envision for myself in a day? What are the three most important things that I want to connect to today? And feeling the emotions as they happen. And then go into self-love for myself and everything else around me. Saying I love you, Spash, and I love everything and everyone else. Uh, around me unconditionally i forgive you sebastian i forgive everything and everyone else around you um today is an amazing day where i feel inspiration where i feel uh fun i have fun and i, I make sure to feel those emotions i feel happy i laugh i enjoy today i feel just an abundance of positive emotions whatever would fit you if you if you are going to do something like this and then um, going into something that Paul Czech, now Paul Selig says, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. I am in the upper room. And just saying, saying that, um, and for some people who don't know of him, that he's a, a channeler and some of you might like, All right, what the fuck is that? So he's connecting to the channels, as he says, a God, Allah, Buddha, whatever you want to call it, the muse. Um, and it might be very strange to, to hear that, okay, well, what, what is this? And the truth, like Aubrey says it too, it's just once you hear it, it's like, wow. Like you can literally feel the energy in your body moving like this. I do that, thank you. I, I, I do that for my, my, my grandmother who passed away, my, my uncle, my closest family members, and then going into, I, let's see here, I do this in Swedish. Uh, in English it is, I am who I am unconditionally. I do that five times. And I do hand gesture and motions with all this. It's kind of Tony mm -hmm. Robbins stuff. It's so you get that all the different ways of, of you feel it, you move through it, you say it, and you hear yourself say it. Because the more things you do it, the more it imprints in your body, the more it becomes a reality to your body. And going into one of the things that is very close to me that I am in self-sabotage is being late all the time, uh, being optimistic with time and then packing too many things in. It's going into, well, I am and I deserve to be on time and for others to be on time and be two minutes early. Um, and going into, yeah, I mean, we, we can go for a long time. Like it's a whole routine and it's a written routine. And I can send that over. I don't know if you want to put it in show notes, whatever it is, but it's, it's, it's a rather extensive routine yeah. that I go through. And then uh, during the work days, I go in on, on every hour and I breathe in saying five seconds. I love you, Sebastian. I love you, Sebastian. I love you, Sebastian. And I'll do that five times. And I forgive you, Sebastian. I forgive you, Sebastian. I forgive you, Sebastian. In five, out five and do that five times. And then Wim Hof breathing uh, before lunch every weekday. That is phenomenal what the difference is. I, and one of the things, when I said this to Emily Fletcher, the meditation teacher, she's like, I, I, I almost feel for you because like, don't you just want to be in that state where you don't need to, need to do all these things? <laughs> I just broke down. I'm like, yeah, mm. shit. Like I'm dependent on that too, but it feels like I need all so many things just to recognize that I have self-love. Wow. Man, you're hard on yourself, brother. <laughs> you got to get you got to cut yourself some slack, man. Like 
I can like, that's just what I'm feeling. I mean, you're doing so much great things. I mean, you just need to, I feel like you just need to like, you know, give your, cut yourself some slack, give yourself a break, you know, fuck. Like, I mean, that's sometimes, that's the thing. And that's why it's so interesting is that I, different people overcompensate to different things, you know? And, and that's why it's like, I need more of what you're doing. <laughs> and you need more of like, I'm doing more of the, 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 you know, the meditation and the, the real the trying to like chill out more, but like, I'm lacking that discipline that like, that real, like I got to do this shit. And it, instead of like, Oh, well, it doesn't matter. I'll just do it whenever. And it's like a fine balance. Right. And sometimes you, you have to be able to like, not be hard on yourself, but be accountable yet not beat the shit out of yourself over it. You know? And I think it's a fun dance that we're all working through too. Cause we have these like, the, these beliefs in our heads and it's, and it's, we think that if we don't do a certain thing then we need to beat ourselves up and we forget that, man, we gotta, we gotta cut ourselves some slack sometimes, you know? What is it that you connect to from that self love perspective? Dude, I, I've, I've la I, there's so much shit that I've been packing, unpacking the last couple of years that stuff that started probably in my early teens and which led to trauma, which led to like the habits that I decided to take partake in for so long with drinking and drugs and all that. And I, I struggled with the same thing. This is why I can relate is like, I, for me to feel self validation, I needed to go and either buy something or for me, it was through women, through chasing the next woman, because that is going to give me the feeling of, of validation of I'm, a, I'm enough because I can get the girl, right? And I've just realized that lately how that has been my entire life because I was the hockey player, chase after the girl, bartender. I always had professions or, or sports, whatever, that allowed me to be that person that could get the girl. And that gave me the validation. And it's still the way I think these days too. It's not something that I have gotten through, but for self-love for myself, when I put that stuff aside, you know, the drinking, the partying, the girls, the whatever it may be, for me, it's like, I really find fulfillment in the quiet, in just being alone. And actually these conversations, selfishly, fucking are like therapy for me. And I never realized that. I've talked about it. People are probably tired of me preaching about this, about having a podcast. But dude, I'm almost had 200 episodes and I'm fucking telling you it's like therapy. And I get to express, I get to listen to people's stories, connect with this energy. That is like what gives me the inner peace. It fills my cup, man. Even if there's days where I don't feel like getting on a call, I do. And then I'm always like, oh man, there's nothing that can give me that energy that I get from that human connection. So. That, that's what gives me self-love and, and being, not being so hard on myself about shit as well because I used to beat myself up a lot because I fucked up my hockey career by doing steroids. I did a big cycle of steroids my last season, which basically ruined my career, which led me into the bars, bar industry. College? So let, what's that? No, I was almost, gonna, almost into college, almost into like the chance of playing pro. So 
I went into like a dark place of, of trying to figure out who am I after the sport? Like after the athlete, who am I? I'm this person. I'm this box that I put myself in. And then now that's over. So what do I do? And a lot of athletes, a lot of people, this is why this is so interesting what you're talking about. How, where do they go after? They don't, they're not conditioned to do anything else. So I was trying to find myself. And for me, working in the bars and being able to participate in a toxic environment where I could drink, you know, and numb myself while connecting with people was like a fucking paradise for me. And I could get the girl too. So it was like a real, there was so many things that it, positive things that it did, it did have and allowed me to travel. But um, that was after I started to unpack what was going on, you know, recently. And now I kind of see that that's what happens. And, and for me to give, get self-love for myself, it's, it's really just, yeah, figuring out, like I'm still figuring it out, you know, like still figuring out what that is, you know, if it's taking care of my body, going to the gym, a workout, getting the endorphins up, whatever that is, nature. And I think that's a process that I'm still learning. So um, I think everybody listening out there, you guys probably going through the same thing where it's like, how is this? And I, you guys probably, I would, I would encourage you guys as well. It's like when you're going to do something, ask yourself, is this feeding my soul? Like, is this, is this feeding my soul purpose or is this, is this a fear tactic? Is this a numbing tactic? And I've been trying to ask myself that, like, is this thing actually the thing that's going to feed my soul or is it, am I hiding? Right. And a lot of times you can get clarity by asking that question, you know? And you just gave me clarity. Jesus. <laughs> um, by the therapy thing alone. There. Wow. I mean, that's, 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 that's so true. It's just, yeah, many times like this conversation, I did not want to have it, not because I didn't want to talk to you, but because I felt almost preposterous and having a challenge to feel like, all right, I feel so disconnected. Like I said, I was having one of the most challenging days here in this entire shelter in place. What the fuck am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to come across? And now that you're sharing and we're just having this dialogue, like it's just, it's just therapy medicine in its own. And I'm like, whoa, like where did this come from? Like, I guess the most challenging part, like you said, university of adversity, the adversity became now my university to share, like that became the message in itself, the lesson in itself. Yeah. The medicine. It, it, it really is. And what better time for you to come on than when you're fucking going through some shit, bro. <laughs> because, you know, just talking about it is sometimes what you need. Somebody that's, that gets you, man. Like we've, we've hardly, I don't even think we've spoken on a call yet. We've, we've kind of talked a little bit. This is our first time, you guys. Like we've never spoken before. This is as organic as fuck as you could possibly get. There's been no other dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the power of human connection. This is the power of being able to express your truth through another human. Another, it, 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 it does so many things. And not only just for us as an exchange, but people listening out there. People get value out of that. People can feel it. I know they can. Yeah. And, and you were saying something that, and this, this is what's leading me to this book that I'm thinking about living and dying by your performance is what you're saying with what do I do now that I don't have sports 
what do I do now that I don't have hockey? Well, I need to continue and re-emulate that because that's all that I know and I can't let go of that. So I need to just find that stimulus somehow. And I do it too. I still do it. I mean, with my lifting and my sales. And, and I think that is what so many people do. And that's why you see um, some, someone like Michael Phelps um, who almost committed suicide because he didn't know who am I without swimming. Yeah. I'm the most, and I'm the most decorated Olympic athlete, but I want to kill myself because I can't live for myself if I don't do what I'm conditioned, what I'm trained to do. And it's the same with take anyone, any world-class athlete, Mike Tyson, uh, take, um, what's her name? She played soccer and she almost committed suicide too. And then there's been successful suicide attempts. Like, I mean, my boy, Avicii, like, Jesus. Yeah. Like he didn't know how to handle, like he's, if you, if you, if you see, if you look at his documentary, and you see what is happening through his, his path of fandom is that he doesn't know who he is when you take away all the noises, all the fame, yeah. all the glory. And he realized that. He realized there's such a deep dependency, and that's why he stepped away from it all. You see that I can't do this Las Vegas. Like, I can't do it. It's too shallow. Like, I, I need to cancel all. He said that in, in, in the documentary. Yeah. And really having compassion for the guy because he kept on being pulled into it. And uh, with that, I mean, it, it, it's like I realized in, in the breathing and earlier today, the self-hatred. When, when you get to that stage of self-hatred, when, you don't, when that is too much and you don't want to deal with it anymore, it's easier to just end it than to deal with that safe self-hatred every single day. And I think a lot of people, when you've been in such a disciplined field of athletics, and so many of us have been, because you get like physically beat up and then mentally you beat yourself up. Like you really relive that game, that practice so many times of what you could have and should have oh. done. And it's just, it's painful, man. And, and then you don't learn. If you don't balance the ma- that masculine with the feminine, it's just, it can destroy you. And it comes from performance as a Vici or like any, to anyone who performs. If you live and you die by, then if you live by your performance, most likely you have inclinations of dying by your performance. And the mentor I had at one point, who was my manager, who I learned so much from, and who taught me, and who was all about meditation in the workplace and being authentic and aware, and going through really the university of adversity in your workspace, when you don't see a path, you know, when you don't see how to you take your next day, you forge forward with extreme confidence. You generate that confidence, you make it happen. You don't know the way, but you will find a way and you will make the way. The guy took over an, an office, and this is for a cybersecurity tech firm, and it was one of the hottest companies. It still is very hot. And he, he opened up this new office in Austin, and he, uh, he did it for a while, for a year, and it was not really happening. Uh, he was not getting the results as he hoped, and his leadership saw it too. And eventually, he was having struggles with it internally. They were saying he was having some... some, some uh, um, like issues psychologically and, and they, they told him, Hey, it's better for you to take a sabbatical. And at that point I realized what I'd been part of with my work at that place that I'd become an egomaniac. Like I'd become someone who would put their work above my family, like my, my daughter and my wife. Like I even had thoughts that I've come to terms with now, but that was one of the most shameful for me to admit, like I'm okay with if my family does not work out cause I still have my job. 
And it really, really brought me to my knees when my cat got hit and killed by a car. I was like, no one at work cared. Well, people that I had like, that were close with, but no one else. Like I even called in like saying like, hey, a family member died. I need to take a week off. Because, and for some of you who are close to whoever animals you have, you might be able to relate. But I was so, so freaking close to that cat. Sage was his name that I'm like, a part of me just died. And I'm coming to this massive realizations. And speaking of psychedelics, that's when I had one of the most connecting moments in my entire life. It's when I was sitting outside on that porch the day after or two days, something like that, after he had died. And it was just, it was trees all around me. And I'm looking out of this, this sunset or sunrise and I'm just, I'm just bawling and all these birds are chirping and I'm just realizing I'm one with the wild nature. I can go away. I can die at any time, at any point in time. And it doesn't matter. Nature does not care. Mm. I need to stop taking things for granted and I need to just start being more. And I need to just really focus on like, who am I here for? Who cares about me? What is the love that I can spread? Am I any, like, is my, does my bank account matter? Like, does what I own matter? Does how I perform matter? None of it fucking matters. And tying this back into with Steven Sony, who went on a sabbatical, I shifted jobs slightly at, shortly after. And I told him, I'm so freaking grateful for everything that you have taught me. And everything that, 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 that the process we shared. And I, I turned, I, I came to find out two weeks after he committed suicide. Mm. And at that point, it, it goes to saying that Macklemore, the rapper from, from Washington, says, um, I can't remember the name of the song, but he says, they helped me to find me um, these pair of shoes. They're not just a pair of shoes. You put them, something, I put them in the box. They helped me to find me, but I'm trying to take mine off. Mm. It's not completely what, word by word what he's saying, but what, what that means is that Nike's culture, the movement, rap, basketball, whatever it is that you follow, help find me. And now I'm trying to take it all off. Mm. Help me. Thank you for being part of my life, but you no longer serve me. That is not me, but it helped me find me. Mm. Yeah, man. It never gets easier. I guess you just got to realize the lesson and what they brought you. And whether it be an animal, whether it be a friend, whether it be a family member, you got to just obviously there's the level of to feel it, accept, you know, feel the the pain, but then you got to let it go. And you know, that there's a lesson or some sort of gift from that. And I think that's kind of, that's a kind of the battle. I think that never gets easier in life. It's, it's, I guess it's the attachment thing, right? You get a, you get attached to people you care about and you love, you share an emotional bond with these things, right? Our emotions get connected to these things. And then when that thing's taken away, it's traumatizing. And if you don't have that deep-rooted love, self-love to yourself, or be able to center yourself, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. And 
you know, when I lost my younger, my 18 year old brother at the time to suicide, I just, just self-destructed. I was just drunk every day after that. Right. And, and, and that just digs yourself even a worse hole. And that's the worst thing you can do in, in a breakup is the worst thing you can do. It's just destruct with booze or whatever. You got to be able to feel, feel it and then allow it to work its, its through itself through you, you know, and meditation through breath work and nature. And then eventually it just, it passes and you learn to accept it. And it's, it's such a hard lesson, but it's necessary, <laughs> you know, and it's fuck life doesn't get any easier in that, in that regard. Right? We're going to lose people we care about and it's not going to stop. What is your relationship to your brother right now since he's passed? Like how, well, man, how you right now. You know, losing him and then my dad a year, like within a year was really fucked up, man. And I was disconnected from him because of a crazy, um, my dad had married a woman with four kids. She was a, she was a crazy stepmom and put, put me through hell as a teenager. So, and then they had my younger brother, Skylar, and we just never had a real solid relationship and it was one of those things that i was waiting until he he was 18 for me to really connect with him and because i had moved to australia this is a whole other thing my i had to move away to to australia to get away from the fucking craziness that she put my dad through and my family through because i just couldn't deal with it anymore it was everywhere all the fucking time so i moved away and while i was away my dad was visiting me and apologize to you guys that have heard this story, but I, I, I want to tell it again because it feels right now. Um, my dad was visiting me in Australia. Hadn't seen him in three and a half years. And um, we got the call. I got the call while I was at work that he had, my young brother had killed himself. And it was, what really was hard about this situation was that I waited to really try and connect with him because... I guess I was selfish, I guess, because I didn't want that energy in my life. But at the same time, I was waiting until he was older to really want to connect and be like, here, you're 18 now. Here's, here's where I can speak the truth to you. And I fucking never got that day. And that, that itself, not getting that chance was really tough. And I still, I feel it. And my dad didn't know how to deal with it and he got sick and got cancer from that. Like energetically, he just couldn't deal with his feelings. And that was a really fucked up time. And how's my relationship with it now? I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of like a lot of the work that we're doing, you know, with fit for service. I've been doing personal development for a while, all kinds of shit, Tony Robbins. And now I've accepted it. I've accepted it where, where it is and telling the story, although it's tough, I feel it's important and suicide is a very important topic, mental health. And it's something that I want to explore further in the world and help people because um, I've dealt with it, you know, I've dealt with it and, and it's not, you think that this shit just happens to other people, but when it happens in your own backyard, it's a real eye opener and it's a real thing. It's a real thing. So now I just have realized that losing them, I had to accept that it was a gift in a, in a sense that it's empowering me to do what I'm doing. And that's why I started the podcast in the first place. And it's, it's allowing me to be able to use that as fuel to really, you know, either you can either let it burn your fucking village down or you use it as file and bra blaze the trail. 
and and that's kind of what I've what I've done. And so my relationship with him now is, I it's a get I I I'm grateful and I use it as something that empowers me. I become empowered and not a victim from it. So it's tough though. It 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 doesn't ever go away, and and there's a lot of emotions going. Even just talking about it right now, um, it's tough. And I've never really gone and talked to anybody specifically on this therapy or anything like that. So it's a it's a weird situation, right? It's weird to even talk about it because I don't even know sometimes if I've even processed it. We're getting super deep here, but fuck, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's tough, man. It's 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 not an easy process, and I don't think that this stuff ever gets fucking easy. All right, that's that's some audio come up there. Yeah. Um, what comes up when you share that is shame and uh, never forgiving yourself. I mean, I'm sure you know that on so many levels. Yeah, I feel somewhat like I could have done something. I could have, like, I feel there is part of me that feels responsible. Absolutely. Fuck. You are. You've always been forgiven. Yeah, it's... And as hard as that whole thing is, it's it's a gift and you have to see the gift in these things. These things are here to make us stronger. They are here for us to grow. And that's where I sit with it. I accept it now. And... I encourage everyone out there that's going through this shit. You know, my story, there's people that have gone through a lot worse, gone through less. It's all important. It's all, but you have to see the lesson in the moment of what's happening, right? You have to see it as a lesson. There's no other fucking alternative, but becoming empowered from that. What can I learn from this? How can I take this and make this an either, how can I use this as a tool to get better, right? Rather than, why is this happening to me? Mm. I think that's, that's an amazing way of looking at it. And um, I think part of that, and I see that too, uh, having felt it, how do you still allow yourself to feel the feels? Because it's easy just to transform that massive emotions of uncertainty, of pain, of guilt, destruction like all right let me fucking get after it this is for you dad this is for you brother but how do you still just fuck like all right i'm gonna take this time and i'm just gonna feel yeah this is tough all right yeah and the acceptance of that that's okay you know because Sometimes dealing with this stuff, you're going to go in the waves. It's like a breakup too. You know, I got out of my relationship 10 months ago and it wasn't working, but there's days where I'm like, huh, I kind of miss her. It's, it's like, but then there's days where I'm like, no, I don't like, you know, it's, it's weird. It, and that's okay because life is an emotional roller coaster. We have these thoughts and a lot of these thoughts aren't ours. And it's just like, huh, just like Ramdas says, love your dark thoughts, love your dark thoughts and i've really started to apply that because it you need to love it because it's part of it it's actually a service to you like the the dark moments and the dark thoughts are actually it's actually medicine because you can actually see that 
that thing is allowing, making you, it's challenging you, right? What comes to mind now is, is my, um, so it's my aunt's birthday. Um, the perplexing thing is her husband is in the hospital in coma uh, due to COVID. Really? Yeah. And uh, there are, on Sunday, I got the call that, and this is someone who I grew up with, um, that they're, they're having a conversation of, okay, are we going to turn off the respirators? Because he's in such a bad shape. Um, it's one of those things. It's like, all right, similar to you, I went to the United States part to escape my family because I'm like, I can't deal with this dysfunctional shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get away. Yeah. But part of that has also been a bypassing of my problems. Of I don't want to deal with it. Let me do something else so I don't have to deal with it. It's still there. Yeah. I get reminded of it every time, every so often, especially when I go back, I get super triggered, super activated. And um, now that this is coming up, it's, it's one of those things that I, 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 I'm not really sure. And then this goes for all, all patients that have COVID. Like as a family member, you can't go see them. Like you have to, your interaction needs to be from a distance. Like you can't be at the hospital. Um, and everything that you're going through, you're going through at home. And I'm just thinking to myself, like I sent her a message the other day, my aunt, who I'm close with, and even today, it's like, all right, how do I send a message congratulating her on her birthday when her husband is about to pass away? And it's, and it's some of those, and what you're saying is with bypassing difficult situations, or when we're talking about difficult situations and not, not wanting to deal with it or face it, and this is one of those. It's like, I, I know what the right thing to do is. I need to still myself feel it in and think about what, what is it? What is the, what, what am I called to say? Mm. The easier thing is, oh, I'm just going to get myself too busy. So I'll just delay a response and then I'll, I might just skip it all together. And, and that's just, that's not the right way of doing it. That's just a coward's way of doing it. Real shit, bro. It's real, real shit that we go through, right? Like that's, that's a challenging, that's a challenging conversation. Right? That's real time. That's real life. That's what you're going through, man. It's like, and, and what's the right answer? I don't know. You know, what our, our ego's telling us one thing, our soul's telling us another. I think we gotta, we just gotta go with, even though it feels like it may be awkward, this, this, the right thing to do is probably the acknowledgement. The, you know, the right thing to do. <laughs> we always do, but it's like the logical side of things wants to talk us out of there. Right. Uh, I'm curious, and this is more from a personal perspective, maybe switching gears a little bit. Like, and do, even though all these uncertainties coming up, and I think even the listeners might be there are quite a few entrepreneurs or people who are considering it. I'm certainly one of them. How do I make that jump? Like, how how do you find? How do you know what the right thing is amidst all this uncertainty? Being an entrepreneur, being a self-starter, being off on your own, and just finding that that path especially during these uncertain times and what keeps you going it's a great question um i think the biggest thing for me has been when i had the most clarity of when things changed was when i quit drinking for one year back in 2017 i quit for one year and it really allowed clarity and it allowed things to come into my life 
that felt right. And it allowed me to get out of the bar industry, but then I fell back into the booze and I've recently went back and forth. And now what we do, I'm five weeks without a drink, but I already feel the clarity. And for me, I need clarity and doing things like drinking for me and eating bad food clouds my judgment and everything is on emotion. So what I, I operate on is emotion and I don't really operate on the actual feeling of my soul. And I find that when I quiet all that stuff down, I've cut up coffee as well. Coffee fucked me up. Um, just to allow myself to be, to feel good. What, what do I need to feel good? First of all, and I think when I feel good, then I allow things to come, they come naturally. Feeling good, you know, the conversations like this, journaling, meditating, working out, doing the, taking the things that I know I'm going to get, I'm going to feel good from. And if I'm feeling good, then I'm not questioning anything and things just flow. And I feel that flow comes from just trying to feel good. And whatever that looks like for you, like feeling good, not by using things as something to fill a void, but like doing things that actually change your state. Like Tony Robbins talks about, like get into this, like we got to be aware of like when you're feeling great, what happens when you're feeling shitty, what happens? Okay. How do we get to that point of feeling great? And I think the more we can get to that point, you know, take notes of what, what, what did you do today that made you feel so good? Huh? Okay. Well, why do you feel like shit today? Huh? All right. Do I, I, that's just telling this right now is actually really helping me because I'm trying to pay attention or I am paying attention more to the things that allow me to feel good. And I think when I feel good, things flow and then I can get quiet and know that the right things and trust that the right things are going to come the right people. And instead of trying to control every moment, every person, everything like, oh, this may not work out. When you grip that thing too tight, you actually shut off the tap. And I've found the, the do your best, let go and just know things will work out. So that's kind of the conversation I have in my, myself, man. And I'm, I'm, I haven't mastered it. I'm actually reading the book Mastery by Robert Greene right now. I'm trying to master myself become a master of life. And that's whatever that looks like. You got to be, the first step is self-awareness on what the fuck makes you feel good, right? And I guess you can start there. That's so, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love your, your practice of write down what makes you feel good, write down what makes you feel bad. It's, it feels so obvious, but it's not. And the funny thing is when you put pen to paper, magical things start happening even my wife and i had this conversation today she's like why are you talking to me through all this stuff like i don't i don't even want to deal with you like you have this negativity around you like why don't you just go write about it i'm like no i need to talk it through i can't write about things like this and then i go write about it the first thing i do i'm like i feel so much better <laughs> and uh and i've been so resistant to certain ways and this goes back to again like i used to only like I used to be so resistant to writing things down on pen and paper with pen and paper. And now I was called to like, Hey, you need to write your book on pen and paper. I'm like, Hey, how do I do, I do that? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like what you're saying. And what you're saying with that is 
is is calling to me from from the way of of um, I guess you're letting go of certain things too to to understand what makes you feel good. Like, and I was part of why I felt so shitty today. I realized that I had, and I go in cycles sometimes. I, I've had too much coffee too frequently. Even though if I had one cup a day, I realized that internally the last two days I'm not reacting well to the caffeine. Mm. My wife took, called me out the other day, like, "Hey, like, you, you should get off coffee. You're a little addicted to it right now." And I having a, a major internal fit, and that's why my body is freaking resisting. Like, how dare you do something like this? Dude. It's it's so true, man. Because coffee is such a thing that we love, and it's everywhere. And of course, there's it's a great tool, or it can be used as a weapon against you. It really has. And for me, I've been off it for about six days, and I did normally. I'll have I drink a lot of fucking coffee, and it 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 literally fucks with my brain and my body. But for some reason, well, I get that initial jolt. That's the only way I can operate. And then the, I'm willing to sacrifice how I feel the rest of the day. Like I would literally time my interviews around my coffee. I couldn't do, I couldn't have a full day. I'd have to sacrifice like one of them. There, there was just, I, I either, if I have too much, I get too tired. I can't go to the gym. If I don't do the gym first before I've had too much coffee, there's all this weird dialogue in my brain. And then I'm like, wait a minute, why am I drinking this shit? So I've switched to matcha and now I get the caffeine without any crash. And I'm like, why, why am I a slave to this coffee? I love it, but like, why do I need this thing? And it's like, it's just such a game changer because I've realized that this simple, friendly thing, this like nice, happy thing that we all love, which I fucking love, is fucking me up. And I'm like, why am I drinking it then? So I, I pulled the brakes on it for a while and I, I was saying this, I did an uh, Instagram story the other day about it. I'm like, look, if you feel it's, it's, it's a detriment to your, to your feel, just go off it for a bit and see. You can do it. Drink matcha. Matcha is strong. It really helps, man. And I'm like super sensitive to these things. And I really encourage you guys out there, you're still sticking with us here to like, if, you're, if coffee, you drink it and you're like, oh man, I feel like shit. It may be something or you feel tired give it a break. It's good to pull the brakes on it for a while. Give your adrenals a break and all that. Even Kyle Kingsbury talks about that. He's been weeded off coffee. Now he drinks decaf. It's because we're so programmed to like, go, go, go. We need it. We need it. We need it. And then it's like, wait a minute, do we need it? Like, you know, so I guess you have to, you have to ask yourself, is it a tool or is it a weapon against you? This ties into the the meathead um, and I think, I don't know if there's anyone out there that can associate that or maybe at one point in their life. And I certainly do. I might not look like one, but, <laughs> and I, uh, having that, oh no, F that, fuck that. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I know what makes me feel good. I'm going to do what I've always done. Like, I know this. No, if I'm going to drink coffee, I'm going to drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to list my damn weights and I'm going to power through and I'm going to do this. Yeah. I can run through a wall. I've done it once. Let me do it again. <laughs> and, and I find myself doing that too. And it's like, hey, why? Like it's, fucking, like it's, it's, just, it's this pride. It's this like you're stuck in your own patterns and your own, like why, like why are you even stuck doing this? I mean, you've yeah. got results from it, but it's really you're stuck. Like, bro, you're stuck. And I'm stuck. I'm still stuck in many ways. I'm, I'm trying to get myself unstuck. I'm trying to lift less heavy weights. And I had a, I have a conversation with Kyle Kingsbury. And he, he called me out on it too. Like, why the fuck do the numbers matter? Who knows about your numbers? I'm like, well, I do. 
Well, who else? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why do they matter if you lift a certain number? Doesn't. Yeah. It matters how you feel. And as what you said, it's, it's about do you feel good? Yeah. Do you feel good? If you feel good, like results will come and you'll be happier and everyone else around you will be happier because you feel good. Life is good then. It's yeah. not fucking force yourself to do all the time. It just goes back to just, yeah, you, if you, it doesn't even have to be that complicated. Just feel good and think usually if you, if you do things that make you feel better, you're going to have better energy. You're going to attract better things. I mean, it's fucking classic law of attraction stuff, man. Like, I mean, that, that's why, you know, we do stuff like practice gratitude. Like Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about, I talk about, I probably bring him up every episode, right? It's like, there's a frequency to the things we do right? Gratitude, love, all that has a frequency. And if we're constantly vibrating at that frequency, like the frequency that we're at before we started this conversation is probably so much higher at a level of abundance than we were before. And the more you're at those levels, the more you do these things that allow you to operate at that level, which is state, which Tony Robbins talks about is state management. The more it's the same energy state, whatever you want to call it. It's like the more you operate at that level, the more you're going to attract the things of that that nature. That's what I believe anyways. And I think Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about that too. That's how you create. That's how you get things into your life. And, and, and I've just been trying to figure out, okay, well, what fucks me? What takes me off that path? If I'm feeling good and all of a sudden I feel bad, well, what is the thing that's doing it? It's like, it, it's, it's the simplest thing. Sometimes people eat sugar. It's like, well, sugar makes you crash. Don't eat sugar, right? Just because everybody does it and it's everywhere. Well, if it doesn't make you feel good or operate, then why are you using it? And I guess that's the thing. It's like we want to reward ourselves, but then really, are you rewarding yourself? You're actually hindering yourself. It's like, I do all this good stuff. I'm going to reward myself with shit that's going to make me feel shitty. And it doesn't make any sense. We do that with food too. I do it all the time, which I'm trying to fix. You're like, oh, at the end of the week, I feel so good. Yeah, I'm going to eat something bad. But really, it's like you should be rewarding your body with good food because why would you reward it with bad food? right? It's like, why would you want your body to feel good rather than just have that like dopamine hit? You know? Mm, yeah. Anyways, I'm just going off on a rabbit hole here. Yeah, no, I mean, it's <laughs> freaking awesome. But, and, um, wow. don't usually, we don't usually go this long, but you know what? It's a good conversation. So I, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to end it. Yeah. What are you up to these days? Let, let's, cause we do probably have to take it towards wrapping it up, but what do you, what are you at? What are you doing? Like, what is your vocation? Like, what are you working on right now? That, that Walk is, us through that. I lost that thought. That's what I was going to get at. There is, when we're constantly in a state of being or doing, always filling our plate when we don't have that room to breathe. And I realize that now, even though I, so I work from home, I'm in cybersecurity sales. I engage with and consult with larger clients here uh, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, San Jose Bay Area. Nice. And, um, it's, I mean, yeah, it's a sales role. So at the end of the day, half of my uh, salary is based on, uh, it's just a base salary and half is uh, on my performance. And even though it's, and that is one of the toughest things, like, yeah, it is, it's a neat comp package. It's a neat role. I get to work from home and I have all this flexibility. But at the end, and this is, this is what I've realized, it, it's, solely performance based and it goes back to that athlete and that's why so many that's why it's so attractive to hire athletes into sales roles is mm. 
I, I'm done. I'm done performing. I'm done having my worth being based on my performance. And that's, that's really where I'm at right now. It's just, I'm trying to find, okay, is it my internal state, my relationship that I have with performance? Cause there are parts of it that I really love, like parts of what we're doing right now. When I'm interacting and I'm giving, when I'm, when I'm having connection with clients, when I'm helping clients, that's really when I love what I do. But then when I get tied back into numbers and my performance and needing to report into a forecast and what do the numbers look like? Oh, why don't you have enough? Oh, why you should be doing this? So X or not, like you need to make so many calls, you need to send so many emails. That's, I'm like, I mean, I'm done. So, but, but part of that is just, all right, is it my internal state or is it really just the, the vocation that I'm, that I'm at? And, and part of that is, when I'm, when I'm, when I ask you that question, what are you doing and how are you finding your path is, is that is what I'm interested in. How do I, how do I make and have a path moving forward and, and peaceful movement or not peaceful, peaceful performance uh, or peaceful entrepreneur. Um, those are things that come to me that I'm going to start, start going forward with is how do I find a way of sharing a message around performance to the rest of the world and, and hence why the book title living and dying by your performance and, and that is something i just feel so called to do uh, and, and the funny thing about it is what you were saying too is just when you're constantly doing things and um, when society was up and running when i used to be doing uh, weightlifting olympic weightlifting and gymnastics four times a week and then but i was always doing it. i never stopped never stopped and then now that everything has stopped, now that I go into nature almost every single day, and when, I'm, when I do less, all these clarity, there's so much clarity. There's so many, everything is so like, I know the answer. When you try to force the answer, it doesn't come to you. Then it's just analysis by like paralysis by analysis. And then, but then when you step out away, oh, of course, it's so clear, it's so easy. Um, so that is, that is my path. Um, is I'm thinking about too, okay, well, if I'm giving myself a timeline right now, I got six months left at this job. What do I want to do with that six month? And then I'll re like, when it comes to three months, I'll reevaluate it too. But during that time, is there an exit plan? Is there an exit plan? And what will that exit plan look like? Part of that, that Tim Ferriss approach is don't, don't go anywhere. Don't dive head first until you have at least some revenue released your setup like Aubrey Marcus he had himself set up for a year worth of income and just dove like all in I'm all in and then he was on the verge of having his I don't know like he 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 almost went completely belly up but he had that last order come through or like a big order come through and that really saved everything at one point but he really just he saved up for one year and that's what I'm thinking about too all right I'm being very called to lower my expenses lower everything that I'm doing to start stacking and saving up and have a path where, okay, I might not be having the same type of income, but how do I charge for charge forward in that process of becoming self-sufficient and entrepreneur in that sense. But, um, how I know my why to a degree now it's just figuring out how. It's mm, awesome, man. It's uh, I'm super grateful that, you know, we get to, that we've been able to connect and that we're in this community now where, you know, it's like a family, you know, you get to see everybody and everybody's growing and everyone's growing at different paces. And, you know, it's, it's great because you can connect with certain people, create these bonds more with some and less with others. It's really interesting. And I'm just really excited, man, to kind of 
you know, this being our first time talking and still being early in the year with like what we can create and, and what, what can happen through this process. And actually, you know, when we get to meet up in person again after all this pandemic's over and, you know, it's, it's really going to be awesome, man. So I'm super grateful that, you know, we connected and, and that, you know, you came on and shared your truth with us, brother. Yeah. Likewise, brother. Like I, I, you inspired me so damn much. And just by what everything you've said, like so many things that you said, but even hearing the, the, the episode earlier today and just seeing what you're doing. I mean, thank you. Like, thank you for being exactly just who you are, Lance. Like with everything that you've been through, with your brother watching and being with you, with your father watching and being with you, like everything. Like, thank you. Like genuinely, like, I want to say I love you, brother, just for you being who you are as a man, as a soul, as, and, and who you are in this world. So thank you. Oh, dude, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's well received with love and love you too, brother. I really appreciate it. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's exciting to see like what's, what, what we all are capable of. And, you know, when we lean on each other and, and build these relationships, because at the end of the day, it's the relationships that matter. It's the cultivation of these relationships. And, and I recommend to all you guys listening out there, if there's something that I would recommend that you do is during this time is take time to create these relationships or connect with people that you haven't, or just cultivate relationships because those compounded over time is going to be what you, the, are the partnerships or the, whatever it, it turns into it's the relationships the connections are what makes everything possible right in business you can't do anything by yourself if you say you're a self-made millionaire it's bullshit <laughs> nobody is self-made everybody has to lean on somebody some way or another there is there is nobody that goes through the life alone and that's the beautiful thing so man yes. do you have any do you have any takeaways or for the audience about here? Well, I always ask one question. You can elaborate on this how you want. What is one lesson that adversity has taught you that the audience can walk away with today? Elaborate on that however you want. There is one thing that just comes up over and over, and that's what I guess this is the message I'm, uh, I'm uh, going to share. Not what I expected to share. Um, when you score, start pointing fingers. And Abby Wambach said that she is the woman who scored the most goals in the Olympic or in the, in the soccer team for U.S. U.S. women soccer team. And uh, I think your message is so true in that is I think our ego and, and who we are and what we go back to is always thinking, I did this. Like I take on, like I, I have done everything in my life. Like I am self-made. Like even like now reflecting back upon it and being humbled by my own stories. Like I, on the basketball, like being here in the United States, playing football, like being in sales, like it's not my performance really. I mean, it's a path that I'm on, but it's, I don't know, like, like performance, I guess it's fictional in that end too. But when you do have something that's amazing, instead of just charging forward to the next goal, um, and, and that is good. It ties back into the message about my um, my aunt and her her husband having COVID and 
possibly passing away is just how do you start sharing more gratitude through your adversity? Um, and Tony Robbins says this too. Like when you start sh- focusing on what you can give and the gratitude that you can feel, you stop focusing less about yourself. Hey, Hoka, hey, today is a good day to die. And then everything else doesn't matter. Like you're in the now. Yeah. You, start, you, you start focusing on the things that matter. So then you stop focusing on your own, how damn miserable you are, or how damn good you are. Mm. And I think that's my own lesson, my message I need to take on to stop focusing so damn much on yourself, start helping people and, and being, that, being that truth and, and being that light for someone else. And you'll find purpose in your life. Amazing. Well said, brother. Where can we all check you out? What's your social? Well, we'll put all the social media in the show notes, but where, where is the best place to check you out if people want to follow you and learn more about you? Yeah, so that is, that is one thing. I've, I've been on Instagram at one point. I've completely, well, I'm only, I'm, I'm off it now. Like I'm not, I don't have it. Um, I have LinkedIn. You can check me out cool. there. I don't know how much of a value that would be, but Sebastian Engstrom there. My, my email, if you want to send me a private note, my last name, engstrom590 at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so pretty private from that end. Uh, oh, nothing wrong with that, bro. Maybe at one point more Dude, social. This is, a, this is a fucking journey, man. Like if you're not right now, that's all right. There's lots of time for that. You know, you're, <laughs> you know, fuck it. If this is the time where you gotta, you gotta just, you know, say fuck social media. There's days where I want to do the same, bro. Trust me. So mm. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long life. So lots of time for that, brother. <laughs> Dude, again, thank you so much, man. Sebastian Angstrom, everybody. Did I say that right? Did I get it right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank okay. you. Brother. Thank you very much. Thanks everybody. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review if you can, or share this with a friend. Let us know what you think. If you got value, do what you can. If you, if you feel you need to share it, share it. If you don't, don't. I hope you loved it. Make sure to check out Sebastian. If you guys want to work with him or you want to learn more, all his information's in the show notes. Love you guys. I appreciate you. We'll catch you next time.